0: Right, thank you, and as always, any surprises I might have have already uh, appeared already, so uh, uh, we'll just reinforce what God's already been doing. Uh, So my topic today is the Prince of Peace, and I'm going to start by reading from the Prophecy of Isaiah and Chapter 9. make what you will of that. <laughs> and we'll look at start at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. And then to verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. A child is born, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Is there an increase of peace in our world today? don't know what your thoughts would be from what you hear in the news but if you look at absolute figures the amount of warfare and killing in that sort of sense of lack of peace is probably at the lowest it's ever been now doesn't mean there isn't too much of it but there's an awful lot less of it than there was in the past but I think it would be true to say that at the moment there's an increase in a feeling of insecurity and fragility in world structures. So when we're talking about peace it's difficult to look at it if we're just looking at it in a short-term scale. Hard to judge what's happening. So what I want to do today is actually look at the large scale. And so I'm going to have to miss an awful lot of bits out in between. So we're going to start at Genesis and finish at Revelation. And see what God's Word says about peace. So I'm going to start back in Genesis and chapter 3. Which might seem an odd place to start if we're talking about peace, but bear with me. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, after Eve and Adam had eaten the forbidden fruit, their response was to hide themselves from God. This is from Genesis chapter 3, and I'll start reading from verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? As Terry Virgo recently pointed out in a tweet, God didn't say, What have you done? But where are you? The peace between man and God had been broken by man. But in this passage, when God curses the serpent in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, he says this I'll put enmity between you, that's the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Here, when God is saying to the serpent, He will bruise your head, is the first hint that God is going to send a solution to this problem of this lack of peace. Moving on, if we go to the Psalms, we can hear... How David prays, have to keep going, about peace. So we're going to look first at Psalm 29 and, I've gone too far now, Psalm 29 and verse 11. You'll probably be able to read it before I do. Right, here we go. May the Lord give strength to his people, may the Lord bless his people with peace. So, if you read the rest of Psalm 29, where God—sorry, where, David is describing glory to God, he ends with this prayer, that the Lord will bless his people with peace. And then, over in a few psalms, in Psalm 37 and verse 10, In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, He will not be there. But the meek will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So there's a promise here that those who seem to be successful but disown God and are wicked will be no more. But those who follow God, those who are meek, will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. But we know, in historical times, peace was only ever temporary. And often, there were false promises, false prophecies of peace, when God was actually going to send judgment. We can find an example of that in Jeremiah's prophecy, and verse 14, so chapter 14, and verse 13 and 14. So, Jeremiah and chapter 14... This is Jeremiah talking to God. Then I said, our Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. So all messages of peace are not true. God, we know, ultimately promises, and we'll come to some of these promises in a moment, to bring his peace. And as we were reminded right at the beginning, ultimately God's peace is not a thing, it's a person. But in the way there, there's lots of people who say, oh, you can find peace here, or you can find peace there. But if we go back to Isaiah's prophecy but chapter 53. Here, God shows through the prophet Isaiah how this peace would be obtained. So this is Isaiah in chapter 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Or we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Obviously the prophet here is talking of Jesus. And we're told that the chastisement that brought us peace Sorry. Sorry. We're told that upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. It's not our actions which brings us peace, but his. In Luke's gospel, moving on to look at what happens when Jesus come came we actually have a final prophecy in Luke chapter one and verses 78 and 79. Here, we have a prophecy from Zechariah. He was the father of John the Baptist. And here he's prophesying about how his son John will prepare the way before the Lord. So Luke chapter 1, and verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So here John will be bringing the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. Jesus who will take us from darkness from the shadow of death into peace. And as we've been singing already chapter 2 and verse 14 reminds us that when the angels came to the shepherds this is what they sang Glory to God in the highest And on earth peace among those within whom he is pleased. They sang of the child born to be the Prince of Peace. Something I was reading, uh, came across recently, reminded me. In the days when this was written, shepherds did not have a very high status. And were considered to be disreputable, unreliable. Such that you could not, a shepherd could not give evidence in a court of law. So, how evidence from the angels was given to people who couldn't give evidence. I love God. And of course, the fact that Jesus... Brought peace was taught by the apostles. Going on into Acts chapter 10. Here, the apostle Peter has got a bit reluctantly to begin with, but God has worked on him to go and speak to a Roman centurion called Cornelius. And in verse 34 of Acts 10, This is what Peter starts with when he starts talking to this Roman centurion. So in verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ he is Lord of all. So the first thing he says about Jesus is that it's the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And Paul continues this in his letters. I'm going to read a bit from Romans in chapter 5 but almost In all of his letters, as he starts, he's praying God's peace over the people he's writing to. But here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, this is what the Apostle Paul, Paul says. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that peace with God which was broken in the garden has now been restored in Jesus. But we still know, even in the times we live, that peace is disrupted, that peace, uh, we know it, but at times we don't feel it. We know it's there, but we don't always experience it. But a time is coming when that peace will be fully revealed. So, finally, getting towards the end, in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Yeah, can we keep that up? Right, how many references to peace do you see there? Hopefully you should see two. There's no C. Thank you. What does the C mean to the Jewish people? Chaos you know you think what do you think of when you go down to the seaside you probably think sunny sun and sandy beaches what did the Jewish people think of storms, disaster things out of control anything other than peace so in the new heaven and the new earth there is no sea because it's a place of peace well right, what about the second one in verse 2? What is the Jewish word for peace? The Hebrew word. Shalom. Shalom. Salem, Jerusalem. The meaning of Jerusalem is possession of peace. Think back to when Jerusalem was taken by the people of Israel. Think when the people of Israel went into the promised land. They took Jericho first, as they came over the Jordan. Did they take Jerusalem? No. They took all, an awful lot of it, but did they take Jerusalem later? No. Who captured Jerusalem? Jerusalem. King David, David. Not the, All right, David was the one who finally captured Jerusalem so they then had control over all of that land so it was in a sense Jerusalem was the last part of the land which was taken so therefore when they possessed Jerusalem it was now the time of peace so here where it talks about the st- holy city, the new Jerusalem it's God's, pos- it's God's place of peace it's his possession of peace and what are we told about Jerusalem here prepared as a bride adorned for her husband who's the bride? Church. the church so the new possession of peace is God's church As you are part of God's church, you are part of that possession of peace. God is bringing his peace in at the final end and you are part of it. And not just you, but millions of other people from across the world and across the ages. So God's peace is not just something where Jesus enables us individually to have peace with God breaking up breaking away those barriers which came right at the beginning but God is bringing his peace to all of his people the imagery in Revelation in many places in most places can be difficult we can see parts of what it means but here and particularly when you get into the description later in this chapter of Jerusalem, with the a cube and masses and gates, you think, what on earth's going on here? But, in a sense, it's just making the point, you know, God's new Jerusalem, his church, is so massive because he's drawn in all these people from across the world. And just one final little bit, I just need to include this one. Those of you who know me know that sort of by profession, I was a physics teacher. God has all these big things across his scriptures, but scattered around it, there's always lots of little bits which different people can relate to. Now, one of the areas of physics I was particularly interested in was geophysics, the physics of the earth. And of course, one of the things which links into that is weather and things like that. And the thing is, if you've got no sea, you've got no rainfall. Because all the water for the rain, apart from a few lakes, basically comes from the sea. But just to reassure little physicists like me, in chapter 22, verse 1, talking about New Jerusalem... Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of the God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, and also on either side of the river the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So God reminds me that even if there's no sea, he's still providing us with the water we need. You know, I just like it the way God just puts things in. Now, I'll see that. Other people will see different things there. That's fine. But God speaks to all of us through his scriptures. And I know I've just done a very quick overview. But the thing is, Jesus coming, thinking of Advent and thinking of Christmas, is the big change in the world. But we're now looking forward to the final completion of what So in Advent, the other thing we look to is Jesus' return. And the new heaven and the new earth. So let's always be thankful, let's always rejoice because of what Jesus has done for us.